This is Courtney. I play McKenna Ali, your favorite Loxodon. Well, let's be honest, your favorite character. I want to thank you for joining us on this adventure. Starlight has taken a lot of love from all four of us, and from the bottom of our hearts, we are so thankful. Every review, every subscribe, every Patreon subscriber, or in any way that you give back to Starlight means the world to us. And in case you didn't know, each reading or review helps reveal our podcast for those finding new podcasts and adventures to go on. I truly hope you enjoy the venture ahead. Until next time, see you later, spacers. Welcome to Starlight. As you guys know, we are in the midst of season one, and we just want to say thank you for joining us on this D&D space audio drama. I am joined by the handsome Clyde, played by Sam Williams, and the indomitable, unbreakable actress, played by Nathan Coons. And my lovely wife happens to play an elephant. Courtney Yorks. And she plays McKenna Ali. Thank you for joining us, and let's get to the action. Alright, so we leave off with the wall not being destroyed, some of us letting our the the, the need to please our Acer family get the better of us. Or just have some sure. money. <laughs> Anyways, find this wall of like what seems to be the biggest patch of Ayun shards. Um, almost geode-like, pulsating with some resonant frequencies. Your original theory that maybe it was messing with the Neuralink, it could be that, but also seemed to be something more, something more ephemeral. <sighs> with the help of Crank, having taken out the Husk Taker, getting in there, you find shadows that come off of it of past victims. The tether is able to be broken. In a last-ditch effort to get away, Ruth rushed your explosives up, causing a cave-in. And just as everything seemed okay, one shadowy hand reached out and grabbed the back of Foreman Crank and began turning him into a husk, just as McKenna, quick on her feet, shot a firebolt. <laughs> and that's where we... Uh, yep. That's where we start. <laughs> the fire, like, hurls. These nanobots just... <laughs> flowing straight out towards the specter. As it is itself is coalescing up out of the stone, standing almost a foot taller than Crank. Crank has his neck being held as it's turning into almost, like, dried, uh, broken... Gosh. Necrotic... There's no better word, but just destruction. And it's starting to spread like a canker up into his face. And that's when your nanobots hurl into the specter and blows up in a smote of fire. Yeah. How do you want to kill it? Oh, thank God. I want it to blow up in a smoke of fire. I mean, I want it to completely explode. And I want, I want, um, Crank to be okay. So, Crank is immediately thrown to the side as the arms go loose, like the hand drops and kind of staggers to the side, 
<gasps> falls to the ground as there's just this little explosion within the form of the specter. And similar to the other specter, you watch as it starts to coalesce into a body with many different faces, all of them crying out for hope. <laughs> What's almost uh, almost magical about it is there's that blue hue coming off of it and almost like blue fireflies just floating off of it and winking out of existence as it falls into a blue just heap of just kind of glowing ashes and everything goes quiet. I'm gonna run over to Crank and make sure he's okay. I'm still patching Clive and myself up. Okay. I use one of my makeups for him too, so I, I marked it down. Okay, so you're able to come back to consciousness, Clive. Uh, as Atlas is working over you, you head over to Crank. I need you to make a medicine check. That would be a 21. <sighs> You just get a faint pulse, a faint breath. He's not dead yet. Um, I'm gonna... I'm gonna get the happy... Wait. Let, let me see if I can do something. I walk over to him, and I place my hand on his shoulder, and you start to see nanobots come out from, from in my arm. You kind of wrap around the worst parts of the injuries on Crank, and they start glowing like a bright green, uh, warm light. And I'm going to cast uh, Cure Wounds. Oh! <laughs> oh, that's not that great. Crank draws a deeper breath. And you watch as like the red lines start to get knitted together. Clive's nanobots making tiny, almost like uh, stitches as he brings the flesh together. The the necrotic part, the um, almost like sandpaper texture, doesn't go away, but there's a little bit of his color that comes back, and Crank seems to stabilize, but he's still knocked out. Do I know whether or not he's bound to become a necrotic? Or become the necrotic spread is seem to stop. Okay. His eyes start to flutter open as the nanobots do their job. Where where am I? I had the worst dream. <sighs> Looks around. It wasn't it wasn't a dream. No, but Crank, you're gonna be here after this. I am. Yeah. You sure? You were incredibly brave and strong, I'm sure. If you make it through this, you're gonna be a hero. And uh, we will do what we can to see if we can be released from this place. Oh, that would be nice. That would be nice. He tries to stand up. He can't do it on his own. He has to kind of like get McKenna's help. He looks around. Did we do it? 
I mean, I helped somehow. Did it. We did it. <coughs> oh. Yeah. Let's get out of here. I couldn't agree with you more. Do we know if the wall's destroyed all the way? We don't. Do I see any more shards on the ground? But they're very, very faint. Like, they're not shards. More like dust. Nope. Uh, well, we can get out of here. Let's start making our way back to the entrance. Before we leave, and I'm not one to want to stay down here in dark and closed spaces, but should we double-check that wall? To make sure? Do you want to double-check that wall to make sure? Well, to see that the job is done, and to give people security, and thinking that it's done and they come back down here to work, and it's not done, people will die. All right, Crank, this is your last heroic moment. This is to prove... Alice. This is to prove that you're a true hero. Just remember, the elephant didn't want you to come down here and then get this opportunity to release yourself. Can you roll a charisma roll for this speech of yours? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I said that. 14. Because it's persuasion, right? Or no, it's just charisma. His attention kind of rolls over to you. And McKenna, you're the only one that hears this, and he goes, I really don't like whenever this guy talks. <laughs> but continue. You have the attention. <laughs> Go check the wall. Make sure everything's right. Give him a big middle finger. He looks at all of you. Do it. Roll an intimidation roll. I just rolled that one. Oh, 10. So, he looks at you, looks at the locks on, looks at the hole, and he goes, well, there's no hole. He looks at the rubble, mm-hmm. and he goes, you threw all the explosives. How in the world am I supposed to move all of that? Just get close to it. The rocks? Yeah, just get close to them. I'm going with him. Thank you. The ones I retreated last time. Thank you. He limps forward with McKenna's help, gets to the rocks, Mm -hmm. touches them, looks back at you and goes, I think it's, it's okay. Nothing's happening. How do I notice anything? Make a perception roll. Four. Okay. Can you make an insight roll now? I'd like to do the same being close up. Okay. That's one. Make your insight roll. That is an 11. Okay. And so, I'm as he him. Er, leans away, he just is like, Oh no. I think we're good. I'm getting a dagger and stabbing him. The elephant. Wait, wait, wait. The elephant. Oh, what are you doing? Okay, go ahead. Make your attack roll. Only because I feel like he's possessed in some degree. Like, I feel like having yes. been touched by the necrotic thing. So he's not paying any attention. The first one. <laughs> 21. Can you roll a stealth roll with that as well? Because that's a hit. Oh, 
he doesn't notice as you bring the dagger down into the hollow of his back. The dagger sneaks. <laughs> and he falls limp into your hands. His next words cut off and <laughs> And when he turns, there is this look. But how could you betray me? And he falls to the ground limp and dead. And nothing comes out of him? Nothing comes out of him. You did it. You did it. I know it. I called it. I I said you did it. And everything is just, you know, it's like you're hearing suddenly every little noise just gets heightened. It's it's just like, wait a second. She just did that. She killed. McKenna killed Frank. Can I inside check her? Because I know for a fact that she's had trouble with me killing people before. Yeah, you can inside check. Do you want him to be able? Are you trying to hide anything? I'm very emotional and obviously, like, I didn't want to do this. Yeah, he, he, she's just... I'm crying over his body. Like, sobbing over his body. The dagger's still left there. It is back. And that's when there's a voice that rings in. Through your ears. surface will give you a complete rundown on everything that happened. I know you could do it. Over. Clive's going to start making his way back towards the surface. Yep. Sam and Alice is going to start trekking over there. Now what about you, McKenna? As they start to leave you. I'm coming. And I'm like, limping. Alice did not hate her. just walking, marching. He's pretty emotional, us walking away like... He's confused, but he's... I think he is more, he's like contemplating himself of like, this is the first time you've seen the elephant go out of a way to kill somebody, so he's just kind of like processing like, trying to think of like, what's going on. Yeah. You guys traverse the cavern back. Clive. And Atlas. Because you're not the emotional ones here. You notice something interesting as you're passing once again through the spider's lair. You see uh, a robotics a bot, one of the fighter ones, broken on the side. And you see attached to it the component to create a plasma shield. It's a few times used thing that can really save you in a bind. And it's one of the few things on that bot that is in prime working condition still. Plasma shield is in like, is it like something that you put on your wrist or is yeah. it actual shield? No, it's like something you put on your wrist and it has X amount of charges before it's like never able to use It's like it. a reaction thing? You'd activate it ahead of time. Before a, before something. If that's something you guys want to gather, that is something you guys see as you're walking away. Uh, well, I can, well, depending on if I can, I can't use one handed weapon. Yeah, but if we we're hiding, if we're hiding, yeah, so just to know, I'm carrying Crank's uh-huh. body. Because I'm never going to be in You kind of stumble forward at, into them as they're deciding if they're going to take this item or not. Yeah, yeah, we're taking it. I'm putting it in my bag. Or I'm equipping it. You watch as Atlas just pulls the circuitry list, puts it in his bag, 
You guys continue until you get all the way back to the lift. You pull the lever. <laughs> you are able to get to the elevator. Press the button. Take you all the way back up into the work camp where people lived before. As it opens, you see Warden Yip waiting there, flanked by two guards. And most of the prisoners have been kind of smoothed out of the way. And there's a big, broad sm- like smile across her thick face, and she goes, You really did it. Congratulations. I'm a woman of my word. You will find transports in Hanoi and all the other things that we talked about. We can discuss it more on the transports to the bay. But first, let's talk. She motions you and takes you guys to her inside the keep. Inside is nice. It's richly decorated, like uh, almost like mansions uh, style. And as you're carrying that up to the carrying Crank's body up to the door, one of the guards looks at you, the proctors, and goes, "I'll take that." I'm gonna hold on to him. You can wait out here. Then you're going to hold on to it. Okay. All bodies are gonna be burned. Oh. He can't be burned. He's a hero. He saved us all. Do you know what this man did? I don't. Then you don't want to know. He is no hero. He was a hero to us. What did he do? Why was he actually in prison? Unfortunately, I cannot tell you. It is in his files to be kept secret. Same for everyone. Confidentiality. But I will say, scum break into other people's homes and threaten them attack them they are no heroes so when you're done mourning him leave him at the door to be burned can I have his ashes make a persuasion check that's a weird 13 (laughs) plus 5 18 lady you can Please be sure they're his ashes. The crematorium, where it's multiple people at once, I will give you all oh. what I from everyone. Let's make a charisma roll. Fourteen plus three, seventeen. He looks at you and he goes, "No, that's a hazard, a biohazard. I'm not going to give you multiple people with ashes. I shouldn't even." Just leave the body, and I'll see what I can do. Atlas, I need you to intimidate him. He hears you say that, (laughs) and he goes... And you see I was spoken in, like, the corner of the other, just waiting. Because we're trying to wait for the warden's meeting, right? Yeah, the warden stops in the open door, looks back, and you can see inside, like, an ornate, like, mansion style, and she goes... Atlas will look over to him. Come on! He'll he'll look over to him and kind of be like, why do you want the body so bad? We can talk about that later. Please. The body's not going in there. You can either leave it here. I want all the ashes. All I want is all the ashes. I want to make sure I have all of him. Commander, or Warden Yip comes back out. She goes, what is the problem? Warden Yip, I want either the body of this man, or I want all of the ashes from all of the bodies that were burned at the same time. Make a charisma roll with her. 
That is a uh, 16. Please. <laughs> I don't understand how you got yourself mixed up with these people. But you are also equally strange. And you are a hero. And they tell you give it time. Make sure she gets the ashes. <laughs> I don't know. Just do it. And she then motions for you guys to come in as the guard, the proctor takes the bite from you. <laughs> Thank you. So she takes you in to a back room. It's just a basic office. Uh, you can see there's no family, no nothing like that. Just multiple medals of decoration. She sits down. She goes, so feel me in. And then you'll be on the way. What's happened? Well, first off, we got down there and believed we might have figured out what was taking care of most of your men. I went down there. There are these albino white spider-like Drag- creature. Well, the dragonfly first. And uh, it had webs all over the place, bodies strung from the webs, egg sacs, the whole nine yards. And this thing, it appears it could almost blink instantaneously from one spot to another or turn invisible in some sort of way, something I've never seen before, and something way worse than normal Husky figures. She gets up, walks to the cabinet behind her, pulls out a shot of whiskey. Pours it into the cup and she goes, For you. Okay. Pours herself one in. That was cool. That's nice. She gives you one and just is like, doubles. Cheers. Puts, gives you double shots. And she goes, That is crazy. And yet I'm inclined to believe you. Well, unfortunately, it gets a lot worse than that. <laughs> oh, please tell me you took care of it. Oh, we did. We took care of the spider. We blew it to bits. Took care of its little spider sack. Blew those to bits. But as we continued through the corridor, we believe we found possibly what what the uh, worker that came back crazy, what he might have stumbled across. These these crystals that you guys have been mining. The Ayun stones. Yes. We came across a room where the whole wall was basically these crystals. The entire room almost, it seemed. You see right now, she's writing furiously. Um, when like one of you gets like there, because nobody writes anymore, and she goes, well, so the yeah, don't get it. She was, continue. Uh, but the strangest part, whenever you looked at this wall, these crystals, felt like somebody, somebody or something was, was speaking to you. Was You could hear it in your head, but you had no idea where it was coming from. And then all of a sudden, Atlas here, he, he goes, went ahead of me, but when I got up there, all I saw was these shadows trying to pull him into the wall, and they were there were burnt silhouettes of shadows on the wall who possibly looked like other other men that you had sent down there. And uh, at one point, one of the shadows completely came out of the wall, and it was just this, this shadow, shadowy humanoid-like figure, and every single time it would open its mouth, you see this blue hue and hear all these voices saying, help me, help me. Uh, well, that's exactly what that still be. 
person was saying. Exactly. And uh, we finally, we noticed that these shadows were some, for some reason tethered by some physical mas- manifestation tethered to the wall. And uh, as soon as we snapped and tore this tether apart, blue light came sh- shining out of it. And all you heard was all of these voices. The shadow over this figure began to dissipate. And when you looked at its face, what we thought was its face, you kind of just see what appeared to be all the faces of its victims, faces of, of possibly the men that you sent down here. And it was all saying, help me, help me. And then the body disappeared in ash. She finishes writing, stands up, goes and immediately gets another drink. And she goes, oh God, and you blew this to bits. Well, we definitely killed one of them. We, uh, we threw the bombs up there, hopefully blowing up the entire wall. But as we were making our escape, another one of the shadows popped up and uh, killed Crank. But uh, McKenna reacted quickly and launched a fireball. And it appears that this one had also been taken care of as it reacted the same way the other one did. It fell over and you just heard all these voices and this blue light and then suddenly it was nothing but ash. Well, that's all fine and well, but hopefully it does not give me confidence. Has anyone checked on Sylvie since we've been back? No. Can you bring him in here? Bring prisoner 24-5 in. Yes, my office right away. Thank you. He's coming. You don't know if you destroyed the wall that did this thing. It's just hopefully. Yes, but here's the deal. You had no idea this was even down here. And you would have sent any of your other men. They wouldn't have made it back. I guarantee you that. Can I make a persuasion check, Clyde? God damn it. Uh, 16. You make about points. Not only that, but if you can find some way to get down there, you guys have more than enough resource, more than enough for this crystal to mine. So really, we did you a favor by discovering this natural deposit and risked our lives trying to get back. Okay. Okay, I understand. For now, I will have level four marked off until we can at least check in with the guild. They might have information. They're very tight-lipped about all things involving their enterprises. I thank you for bringing this to my attention. And she pulls out a data uh, board, opens it up, clicks a few buttons. And she goes, please, clutch here. When you press it, it allows your uh, neural link to interface with it. And immediately you are alerted with the starlight voice. Ding. You now have 950 more credits. And she does the same with all of you. Thousand. Just 950 was, <laughs> was the deal. She does that with all of you. 
does um before you before you give us um did Crank have a family? How am I supposed to know? Am I supposed to know all my prisoners' personal lives? Is there a way to look into this? Did he have visitors come and see him? Why don't you look at them? I have more things to do. Like figure out how to get Thiel Khan out of here. And now I have this level four issue. But I'm thankful you brought it to my attention. I just assumed being the warden, you would know whether or not your prisoners were getting visitors. Of course my prisoners get visitors, but I don't keep track of them. Is there a way to see? Is there a log? Or something I can look at? Go to make a persuasion check. During all this fight, kind of take the aggression. <laughs> really displaying this aggression. Yeah. I can look. And after at, at that point, the door hisses open. And they bring Selby. Selby's brought in. He's still gaunt looking, pale. Mm-hmm. And he's walking on his own two legs, confused. <sighs> Looks around. He goes, yes, Mistress Warden. My friend, we wanted to check on your health. How are you feeling? I, I feel tired. I had the strangest dream that I was stuck in this, I don't know, somewhere else. Everything was blue, and I was looking through like a kaleidoscope. Cause morning I saw Oxidon, and uh, I just need to rest. And even though he looks at you, you can see his eyes are still a little glazed over as he seems to be kind of coming back to his faculty. Wonderful. Do you have anything you want to say to Selby? I was just going to use him as proof that we did our job. That's true. It seems you've done something right. And it seems it's time for me to keep all of my bird. So, do you want to leave now? As soon as I get the ashes, and as soon as I know whether Crank had family and had visitors. And as soon as you delete any evidence that we were here, including myself. She was about that. <laughs> of course. I will even delete the particulars of your conversation with the uh, Olfax, including your nature. You know that there aren't too many who are happy. But don't worry. She presses a button and it wipes it and she goes, You are just another man, Clive Jensen. And now what's going to happen to Horace? He was going to be put on probation, but who am I kidding? He's still going to be on probation, but he's not losing his job. Okay, well, that's that's good enough for me. All I have to do is go back to the Acers. Well, that's your business. I am a journalist, so I have to report back. Right. Journalist. And the mysterious Oxidon who wants ashes. And visitor records. 
please only of crank. Only of crank. So please make yourself at home in the visitor center downstairs. Will do. Thank you. How long will that take? We'll just say that because uh, they still got their own time in terms of like cremating the body and then getting all the information, it's about a four-hour wait in general. So you guys kind of make small talk. There's some food brought to you. Eventually, the ashes are brought to you in a small uh, metallic urn that just you have to twist to release, and as well as a data pad of Crank's visitors. Um, it's going to... You see that he did get one regular visitor, and it looks to be some sort of sibling, probably like a brother, um, who would come and visit him irregularly. Yes, yes. So the sign, the signing was slim. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. You also learned that Crank's last name is Birdoff. Perfect. So you guys are ushered back. You take the land speeder back to Bay Four, and as you come back in to Bay Four, you find that the starship is ready to go. Uh, the the, the lift is down, allowing you to um, enter the ship. There's no one out there to meet you, which is kind of weird, but it seems friendly enough, I guess. Uh, as you start to kind of like poke your head up and look around, you can see that it's a pretty like, let's say average starship setup. It's nothing special. Uh, in terms of layout or design. The only thing that, that you realize differentiates this from others is where other starships in here would be metal, maybe furnished with a few things. It is masoned, stone floor, wood sidings, panels, all of that. Um, and that's when you see a uh, another dwarf woman. She walks up, she has pink hair, short, tucked around the ears, and she wears large goggles that seem to be, like, magnifying. She doesn't seem to be growing any facial hair, but she's stocky. She walks up and she goes, Hey, so, you're the ones I want to go to Noi. I'm Rayla. She thrusts a big, meaty hand out at all of you. So it's nice to meet you, Rayla. I'm uh, Clive Jensen. She goes, ah! Clive, what about you, Loxodon? I'm, I'm McKenna, McKenna Ali. What? Still very distraught about Greeks. <laughs> McKenna Ali, Loxodons, I haven't got the chance to bust one of them around. But what about you, big fella? Hey, Atlas, I'm looking to get to the Acer's headquarters. She goes, huh. Well, I have direct. And she goes, nah, I'll put my manifest here. And she goes, no can do, Atlas. We're going to Nanoi. That's the so, uh, what I was told to do. What is in Nanoi? So, out of game. Yes. Nanoi is where the Sunmaker is. Gotcha. That's right. I gotta write that down. Okay. So, she uh, kind of pulls out of her pocket a red beret with a small clip on it. The red beret in the clip is a sign of like the guildsman. She puts it on and she goes, 
It won't be more than a minute, huh? Uh, so. Does it, do you have a communication system on the on the ship? Like for like long distance communication? Of course we have a communication system. Right. Is there any way I could get a hold of the Acers and use like a bunch of different codes or whatever to like code? Yeah, oh, definitely. For sure. Okay. You can also use your interface unit to make that call. Or your neural link. Oh, yeah. I'll just do that thing. Okay. And just check it. Uh, basically, all it is is just updating them on the information and I know that I'm now on track to go to where the sun enters. Okay. I'm sorry. I think in my morning, I, I completely missed your name. But I'm not usually this impolite, but I, I'm so sorry. What was your name? Rayla. Rayla Hutchington. Nice to meet you, Rayla. It's nice to meet you. Don't go ahead and cry a puddle over here. I just mopped the floor. She had her first blood. Her first, her first blood. I don't know anything about that, but if you're trying to bring trouble onto this ship, no can do. I don't even have guns. I would like to clarify. This is my 101st blood. Oh. So why are you crying? Yeah. That's a good point. You've done and this I walk before. out of the ship. Do you, think, do you think she's gonna be like this the whole trip? <laughs> Probably. And he just like lights up a cigarette and kind of like reminisces about his other like pilot. And okay. So, as you guys all start to kind of get up onto the ship, you are there are two bunk rooms uh, with beds that kind of fold down. Rayla goes, "All right." Let's get out of here. She goes, it's only going to be about a two-day journey to the warp frame. And then from there, an annoying a few hours. So, food's over there. Make yourself uh, at home. Although, I will say the freeze-dried, refried beans is probably the way to go. Stick away from the ice cream. Not good. And she goes and sticks her hand in the interface unit. And there's just that comforting hum as the ship just... And the dragon starts to float and move up out of the asteroid. Will this be a long rest, or a... this will definitely be a long rest? And you guys have you guys find yourselves traveling through space to the warp frame unit. Well, I think I'm gonna go uh, go whip us up a meal. I've already made the ice cream, and I'm eating a lot of it. I'm just sharpening my axe. Especially after like doing the like gem stuff, I'm, I'm sure I'm doing that. Okay, so you all are kind of finding yourselves doing these things, right? And making yourselves like, comfortable. And Rayla is more or less just busy with like interfacing with the ship and making sure you're headed to um, to the warp frame. She once the ship is set and on its course, she finally like pulls out of the meaty flesh control unit, cleans off her hands with a towel, and Let's say if you're the one making the food, Atlas, you don't put off the most friendly vibes, usually. She walks over to Clive, and she goes, What's your guys' story, huh? Don't normally get asked by the warden to just ferry people around. Well, we all met under uh, certain certain circumstances I won't necessarily go into. Uh... And, well, long story short, we just kind of got wrapped up in this whole, this whole, uh, prison thing, and we were trying to escape, and had to end up making a deal, or go down into some deep, dark mine and take care of some business, and, oh, well, after all that, 
Here we are. I wouldn't give you more details, but now that we're kind of away from all of that, I kind of want to just settle down. It was pretty intense. I, I just kind of want to enjoy this nice meal, maybe a nice drink. And... Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I understand that. Oh, man. She walks over to one of the walls. There's a few buttons, and she pulls a dial down in a hologram, like TV kind of pulls up with some of like, the news going on and around. McKenna, can you please roll me a percentile die? Watch your arms. 37. 37. The news is pretty mundane. She's flipping through some things and she goes, eh, it's never good stuff anymore. She goes, so what do you think about the, uh, the elations are coming up, huh? Which way are you going to throw, uh, you know, who you, who you want him to win? Sovereign's done. Well, to be honest with you, I haven't really kept up with it a whole lot. I've got, uh, I kind of, kind of don't have the greatest idea what's going on in the world. If I, if I may be totally honest with you, give you a little bit of insight on where I come from. As you could probably tell, being a, being a dwarf, being a pilot, you could probably tell. Are they in the room? Are you guys in the room? They're in like the main center. They're yeah. Are they? They're in like the main like. I was uh, in the bunk bed. Okay, so like, you're you're there. away. So McKenna's over there eating freeze-dried ice cream. Um, so as as you can probably tell, really, I'm not I'm not exactly uh, not exactly human, I would say. But uh, I just I just woke up one day, couldn't remember anything, didn't know who I was, and to be honest, I just I really don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. <laughs> she laughs and she goes, <laughs> "You're funny. You're definitely human." Well. <laughs> she goes, you know, we all go through hard times. I mean, look, I was picked up from a little dust ball and my family was destitute. Uh, things weren't looking good for me. I was just going to be a junker, both in job and in person. And the trick is just not to give up. Okay, Clive? Well, that's why I'm here now, but... Not to one-up your story, but I woke up on a battlefield surrounded by a bunch of mutilated bodies. Roll a charisma check. Uh, ten. She goes, wow. No, you one-upped me. She kind of falls silent. And then stands up awkwardly, straightens her, like, jumpsuit, and walks away. And no, it's like... No, just hold up, hold up one second. Before, before you walk away... Her, her shoes creak as she stops. Try some of these refried beans for me. I've been kind of working on uh, working on this recipe a little bit. <laughs> Go ahead and make one more crisp roll. <laughs> Fourteen. Fourteen. She comes back, takes a spoonful, and tries it. And she goes, "You know." I'm not a bean connoisseur, but I think you got something here. Yeah. She's like, I'm, I'm going to, I got to go to the bathroom. Mm. All right, well, there'll be more here if you want some. <laughs> she walks away, leaving just you and McKenna alone. The port kind of just showing now as 
for the first time you're in a while, you're seeing the twin suns at the center of the universe of this gap like star system rotating in an hourglass uh, figure around some of the inner core planets. That is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, how are, how are you doing, McKenna? You seem, seem a little shooken up, a little more than, than the rest of us. I can tell by the way you're gorging yourself on that freeze-dried ice cream. Clive, if you were to murder someone, would you not be a little torn up? Oh man, I've, I've killed so many people in my life, I couldn't even put a number on it. How do you know? It, how do I know? I woke up in the middle of a battlefield. I don't, you don't, you know, wake up on a battlefield without having to have killed somebody. What if you were a medic? Uh, I don't believe I was a medic. Trust me. Trust me on that one. Hmm. But you could have been. You're a really, really good person. I don't imagine you having killed. I wouldn't necessarily say a good person. I would just say I do what it was necessary to, necessary for me to continue to move forward. Hmm. I do hope that your path forward is a lot more positive than the one behind you. Well, I do appreciate that. Seems to be getting better so far. Yeah. Now, what do you think is up with Atlas? I think there's a lot of things up with Atlas. He seems to be um, a hurting individual, one who just wasn't given the tender love and care that that we all deserve. And one who just quite frankly needs a hug. Yeah, you're probably right. Didn't seem like his parents gave him a whole lot of attention. Yeah. Now I mean, let's talk about parents. Mine were amazing, Clive. Parents make such a big difference in your life. Well, I'm gonna just have to take your word on that, because I wouldn't really know, unfortunately. What if we pretended you were a child again? And I could be your mom, and Atlas could be your dad, and we can raise you. That's an idea. Uh, It would give you that experience of childhood. And no offense to you guys, but you wouldn't be my first choice as parents. Just gonna throw that out. But... I do appreciate the sentiment. I do miss my daughter. You have a daughter? I have a daughter. Well, Bata, what 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 happened? Did she was know? murdered in the sacrifice. What but what kind of sacrifice? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it didn't laugh. Well, how did how did she get in that situation? <laughs> I raised her in that situation. You raised your daughter to become a sacrifice and you wanted to take me as your child? (laughs) Well, see, now I'm just gonna have to say no to that. (laughs) I just, I never thought it would be her. Well, what did you expect? It seemed like from that answer, you knew exactly what you were doing. I never- You killed 101 people or something. Not happily. Then why'd you do it? Because I had no choice. And with that, you hear the footsteps as the dwarf woman comes back 
Atlas, you hear this this like shift, and the Rayla seems pretty upbeat and walks in and she sees both of you very serious and she goes, Oh. I was just gonna change the music. Uh and she goes walks in between both of you awkwardly, flips the switch and she goes, uh, I'll uh, I'll be sorry. And Alice, you hear this music talk just as your intercom crackles. And it says, uh, bring your interfacing call. And it, the answer, the voice says, Report, have you found the Sunmaker yet? No, I haven't found the Sunmaker. I did find out the last location of the, no, or last known location of where the Sunmaker was. That's good. So far, you're on the right path then. Also, Isaac, um, for the, when I got the information, because this before I had like my paper and everything, with the Sunmaker, I learned that the Sunmaker was involved with a like Loxodon, like cult mm-hmm. thing, right? Because that's yeah. what I remember. From potentially. Like, yeah. Yeah, potentially, yeah. I mean, it was on a planet of the Loxodon, oh, like a Loxodon that, planet. Yeah, you found out that the Sunmaker seemed to have started a cult. Okay. Um, then I'll pass on like that information. A cult? Hmm. Well, doesn't matter to me. Bring back his Neuralink. That's your mission. Once you do that, report back to the base. We'll get you your upgrades, get your memories transcribed, and you'll be on your way for the next one. You're doing well, Atlas. By chance, what planet is this? In a way. Hmm. That's pretty out of the way. Do you have an ETA? You know it's going to be about at least two and a half days to get there. Two and a half days. Okay. All right. Keep a low cover. We don't want attention being brought back to us. Especially if we are able to get our hands on him. There are other factions and rival groups who want the information that we wish to extract. I don't care if he's alive. Also, I did collect some of the ion crystals. Is there anything I can do with those? Oh, that's a fancy haul you got there. That's going to be a hell of a story. Uh, You know what? I'm not even going to ask. But, yeah, you know we'll take them. Trade you some credits for that. Otherwise, unless you got yourself a nice facility to convert them into uh, hyperfuel. Nope. I didn't think so. Alright, um, is there anything else I need to know about this Sunmaker, or I'm trying to get a do we know anything about his cult, or is that just new information? No, we sent the kid out a long time ago, five years ago, getting information. Apparently what he found was enough to keep them tight-lipped and turn on us, so I'm expecting that someone of your caliber and prestige wouldn't do the same. Roger that. Roger. You take care. And then it crackles out. So, while Clive is still, like, you know, cooking his this meal that he's been working on, he, he's scratching his head. He can't quite figure out why, but he finds himself moving to the music. <laughs> like, like, he's enjoying it, almost, but he doesn't quite understand that feeling. Can you actually... I like this. Can you make a performance check? Eight. 
<laughs> yeah. McKenna, you notice that Clive is trying to dance. It looks like no one ever taught him. But there's like that natural rhythm of like someone who can do it, but just doesn't have like that full confidence yet. Clive. Clive, let me what, show what? you. No, no, no. That wasn't that wasn't, this is I wasn't great. doing anything. No, 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 you're doing great. Let me just guide you a little. I'm a uh, great guy. Uh, Take my hand. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I guess. I guess we're not doing much else on the ship right now. Let's to dance. McKenna, will you roll a performance check? That is a... 16? McKenna immediately starts taking you through twirls. She's taking the man's role and you're taking the woman's role. And as the song builds and gets just going, she twirls you around and then with one hand sweeps you into the air. Anything else you want to add? <laughs> and then I'm also like, from that showing you this is how you lead. This is what it is. You played the females from the woman's role and now you're going to play the male's role. And we're going to learn how to do that with your hand. And it's going to guide you through that. Oh, okay. And I'll be, I'll be the woman. Clive, will you make a performance check now with advantages? She's teaching you. Oh, it's going to be 11. Clive starts to get the hang of it. And not only that, he's a natural. And so, like, just like this, right? You, and then you do a little, little twirl on Twirl an elephant. <laughs> yeah. Right, and then I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to lift you up. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, and that's kind of how the night goes on the ship. Atlas cleaning himself up, sharpening his weapons. You guys dancing the night away. Rayla piloting. And eventually you all turning in to sleep. Darkness, rest, peace hits all of you. And I need Atlas and McKenna to leave the room, please. You're, you've gone to bed. There's kind of a warm feeling in your heart, right? Like you almost connected with a piece of you that felt dormant. You can't explain it, but it's, when you go to record that into your neural link, it's definitely happiness. When before, all you felt was coldness. Sleep comes quick. And one of the more interesting things is when you used to go into rest mode, it was the feeling of alone, like a large echoes, distance, as if nothing was around you. But lately, you've been getting various dreams. There's no other way to explain it. At first, you thought it was a malfunction, something that maybe you were seeing like the days before, just melded together, but it's too different. There is a darkness, and you hear a voice say, Okay. Hi, sweetie. Hush now. There's a baby's cry. Clive, can you roll an insight check? You don't know why, but you're convinced that the baby's voice is yours. You don't know the woman's. The woman's voice can be heard, and she says, He's special. 
he's special. They will kill him if they find him. Germain, we are surrounded by enemies. What choice do we have? The voice kind of turns towards you now, where it was kind of like far away talking to someone else. And it says, don't worry. Don't worry, my sweetie. The Shrine Cross, they'll protect you. Won't you? A man's voice kind of speaks and grumbles. Of course they will. You know they will. And there's a new voice. And it says, well, actually, it's, it's the same masculine voice. And it says, we have no choice. Darla, quickly. You, that's when you hear just a faint. Of an alarm. The walls are falling. The roll of perception check. Because the next word starts to sound muffled. 22. The yeah, are close. And then you start to hear... Hush, my darling, baby. You don't have to cry. Mm. This lullaby it starts to be hung. You feel your own cries start to fall away. A different voice this time, more distant. This says. The cross will protect him. As you know, this is all experimental, so I cannot guarantee that the latent memories you want will be recoverable. Are you sure with your choice? It's this, or it's his death. And that last word just echoes. And suddenly you're back to that place alone, the synthetic dreams of nothingness floating. And then all goes black right before you awake in the morning. And everyone can come back. The next day goes by pretty uneventfully. You get to know more of um, your pilot's personality. Rayla's very outgoing, very happy to do, and she loves old-fashioned music. And eventually, as that second day comes, starts coming to a close, she goes, ah, there it is, right ahead. And she goes, viewport, open. And there's a hologramic viewport that opens, and you can see ahead a ginormous circle. This circle is metallic, and it's unfathomably large. You see that it's a great space station that is almost glowing from the sheer amount of lights attached to it. You realize it could probably harbor an entire city. It is ringed so that you can see through it. On the edges of the center hole are various mechanical posts, large enough to fit dreadnoughts in between. And you realize that this thing could probably, this warframe could probably fit about 20 dreadnoughts. That's how big it is. There are dozens of dragons right now heading into the various ports. The ports are 
built into the sides of the, the warframe. A voice hails of the intercom and says, Credentials. Rayla sends them over. Bring them over to port 3-3. She goes, you got it, boss, right away. And she starts to bring you in slowly to the warp frame, slowing it down. You stop in between two metal uh, gates that have uh, almost like tethers that hold the ship in place. And you see um, dwarves in uh, in second like skin suits and rebreathers walking out. And they're kind of floating. And they have these poses and they bring them up to the various ports of the ship. And they start to kind of like fill it up and she really goes, yeah, well, shouldn't be more than a couple minutes and then we're on our... Sorry to bother you. The voice rings out again, hailing the intercom. And it says, we're checking for scent. The reverie's here, making emergency checks. Uh, she goes, oh, well, I guess it's going to be a little bit longer than that. She goes, uh, I hate them. They're gloomy. She goes, but looks right at you, Clive. And she goes, like you said, <laughs> you aren't human, right? And uh, so being, being a pilot, do I recognize the kind of build and interior of the ship and to the point where maybe I might know that there might be like a spot where I should potentially hide if needed to? I want you to go ahead and make make an investigation check. How do they go about checking for something as well? Ooh, that's going to be a six. Um, I'll get back to find out. But in general, they come and they check various facets using instruments. Okay. I trust um, the answers. All right. So what was that? Six. This ship? I mean, you tell me. There's no, like, secret compartment. But maybe there's a place to hide. What places have you seen on the ship that would be a good place to hide? Oh, probably, like, in, like, the engine room or in, like, a closet in one of the bunk rooms or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the engine room probably is one of the better places to hide. There's various types of things. Uh, if you're, like, looking for, like, more of, like, a distraction type of situation, there's probably more things you can dart behind. If you went for, like, the closet or something, there's definitely, like, doors and stuff you can close. Kind of your pick. Which one's better? I am going to pull Atlas and McKenna aside and... Yeah, and the pilot, and I'll be like, okay, so here's the deal. Before before these guys come on and check the ship, McKenna, I know you already know because you helped build me up not too long ago, but uh, I am not necessarily human. Even though I act, act it, I am at least hardly sent for, for as, as much as I remember. So the last thing that we need is for these folks to be finding me on this ship. So if I could have you guys... <laughs> You're joking, right? You just uh, tried to pull this trick on me the other night. It kind of rip off enough of... Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, so maybe we all uh, just pretend I'm, I'm not here. You know, play along with that. What the 
you guys know about this? You brought him on my ship? Rayla, you are one who knows that all creatures are created equally. Oh. And we will not treat Clyde differently because he is made differently. Yeah, but that's not going to stop them. Yeah, but we're going to hide him. Besides, Rayla, you, you are only tasked to get us here. All the, all the extra details you don't need to know anything about. Oh, great. Would have been better off if you kept me in the dark. Well, yeah, it would have been, but then you would have given me away without without realizing it. So let's just move past this and figure out a way we can... All right, so we got the engine room. We got uh, the bunks. Clive, I am going to try to make a disguise for you in addition to you going into the engine room. So if they come down there and they see you, you can we could have a disguise already repaired and you can say you're working on the engine. Works for me. All right. Deception? Deception works great. So, uh, 18. For trying to hide him? For no, more for a disguise. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. So if they can find him and check him? <laughs> what does this disguise look like? Um. Crank. No. <laughs> <laughs> he just said crank for anyone who didn't hear that. Um. Well, what about you look simple? Like, is it more like a scan of the inside to see if someone's a sim? Yeah, have you never seen that? No. They have they they they, they measure to see if there's gel circuitry and all of that oh, sort wow. of stuff. Um that may just be me to add some. We're gonna make you look like piping. Piping in the engine room. Are you joking? So go put on some gray and black clothes. Let's paint your face gray and black. So if they come down there you can disguise yourself as a pipe. Alright, well, I've already got the black clothes and I'm pretty sure my I'm already kind of kind of right there ready to go, so I guess I will uh, go and try to make myself look like piping. <laughs> As he's going to do that, I'm assuming you're gonna help him again. Yes. Uh Rayla looks at you and he goes, Are they joking? Oh okay, so Holy shit. Uh I need you guys, as you're going to make this, I need you, Clive, I need you to make a deception check with advantage as uh, McKenna's helping you. Uh, 17. All right. So eventually you do your best piping joke and you <laughs> go and <laughs> you go and uh, hide somewhere Sorry. applicable. Like as, as much out of the way as possible because I've kind of also picked up on this. This might not work as a disguise. Yeah. But... Yeah. Okay. Well, eventually, as you're hiding back near the engine room and all that, you hear Rayla from the distance and she goes, Hey, um, y'all welcome aboard. No, no. What? You're kidding. Oh, and then there's a voice that says, Out of my way. There's these heavy footsteps. So I'm right next to Rayla. Yeah. And so there's one by me. For those of you that are up there, mm -hmm. like he, that's just, that's the yeah. he's hearing. There are, you see three figures walk in, mm -hmm. white robes, red stripe down the middle, and what looks like hundreds of tiny crystals hanging by silk strands across their, down their bodies. They carry simple weapons. Um, and, Every single these of these three, it's really hard to tell like basic difference outside of eye color and like size and stuff. 
because their skin has been painted to be yellow. Do any of them look like to be like the main leader? Is there one who's like heading this? Up? Yeah, the one in the center. So I'm gonna message into his mind in a very deep tone. So message is a whisper into the ear, not into the mind. Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes, I'm gonna do it. Um, a whisper that we found a scent on another ship. We have backup. Okay, so. Go ahead and make that persuasion roll. I know it's a long time. I am not standing near. Well, you're already trying to disguise me as pipe. I am so. standing on the opposite side, smoking a cigarette. I'm also far away. Oh, Shizat, that's a one. So, one. as you start to do that, one of the man, like when you start to do that, you see that the crystals on the front person starts to vibrate very violently. And then they, you now you notice that in their hands, they are carrying one, what looks to be like a metallic scanner, and then there's a blue jade. And when you do that, this dousing crystal starts to shake and starts to point towards you. And he looks at you and he goes, Now you, you wouldn't be trying to use technomancy on a member of the Reverie's Council, would you? I'm sorry, I'm new to my magic. And I was just trying to tell Alice that he forgot to fuss. Why don't you sit down and make this painless? Great, will do. We'll start with the elephant. Great. So the three of them walk up. They raise the scanner up to your head. <laughs> All clear. They go to Rayla next. <laughs> All clear. And they go to scan you. Yep. All clear. And then they go. Ooh. Captain Hutchinson says here that you are carrying three passengers. Where's the third? And she goes, oh, three? I must have mistyped the hats. Because you're hiding Clive, will you please roll her deception roll? Mm -hmm. She has a plus three. Pretty good. Six. Oh my god. <laughs> she rolls a nat or they roll a natural 20 and they go. Right. Tear the place apart. We don't like when people hide things. Do I hear that? You do hear that. Okay, so and when I hear that, I'm going knowing that if they found me in disguise, I would probably get in more trouble. <laughs> I'm going to take the disguise off and revert back to the just being an engineer working on the engine kind of thing. Okay, can you scan you? They're gonna tear the place apart to find me. And how many there are there? There's three of them? Yeah. There's three that are in the ship. Yeah. Is, is there any near the entrance or no? No, there's none at the entrance, but uh, let's consider that one of the highest crimes if you tried to kill them. Well, I would never do such a thing. <laughs> they start to walk down towards the back. You hear them as they're going through each room, and eventually the doors open with a hiss. They come to the engine room, the only metallic room where you you are trying to look like you're working on the fusion core. Go ahead and roll a deception check as you're working. Can I support him? What are you gonna do? Support him. <laughs> Talk about Clive's experience as an engineer. And how he's like a really great engineer and he's done incredible stuff. Yeah, well why didn't you report him if he was so good? Report him? 
your captain tried to hide that there was a third passenger. Sir. And now, realizing that they're trying, like, they've been trying to hide this, you see two of them put their hands on their weapon and start to kind of pull out these, like, plasma blades. No, hold up, hold up, hold up. I I mean no no harm no no nothing. I'm just I'm just a humble engineer working on this engine here. My name is Clive Jensen. It is a pleasure to meet you. Stand up. We need to scan. All right, all right. Well, scan away. I've got nothing to hide. Will you please roll me a charisma check to see how well you hold your nerve? <sighs> I don't know what Seven. I can do. Alright, he's gonna roll an insight check. He walks forward, no change in the emotion, just one eyebrow raises. Now, what, what can I do for you fellas? You can all steal. And, and I do apologize for our pilot. I, I'm back here so often, sometimes she forgets that I'm here. Oh, it happens yeah. quite a bit. Likely story, Simon. All we need is this one button to ding. And then you're getting taken apart. Raises it up to your brow. Looks back at it. Shakes it. What is it? What is it, Friar? He's clear. I told you, I've got nothing to hide. Just a humble engineer working on this engine. Can you make an insight check, Clive? going to be a 13. You just catch the so subtle dilation of the pupils of someone taking a memory snapshot with their neural link. Then he goes, so it would seem. Enjoy your, uh, he holds up the manifesto. Trip to Thela. Captain, be on your way. You're clear. And next time, don't forget your mechanic. And they all leave. The captain's just like, huh? Yeah, see ya. Oh, that was close. You guys want to get the hell out of here? Oh, yes. Yes, please. They're totally going to be tracking you. What reason would they have to track me? I'm obviously not a sin. Yeah, we have no sense on board. I'm very confused as to how you got away with that. Well... How about uh, we get to our destination first and I can maybe fill you in. You have to find the Sunmaker. She puts her, Rayla puts her hands into the interface unit. She goes, yeah, no offense, I like you and all, but it's just dangerous having you around. Yeah, Rayla, I do apologize for putting you in this position. It was not, uh, was not expecting the uh, surprise scan there. So that's a surprise. And that's when you hear a voice go, Hyperjump in five, four, Three, two, one. And the ship kind of detaches from the, the like, gate. The gates start to hum around it. And the ship rockets out with the hyperfuel they install. And a couple hours pass when the ship rockets finally to the slow, the stars and stuff, almost like Star Wars-esque, kind of like coming back into view. And ahead of you, you see Thala Colony. And Rayla gets off of it and of the interface unit from driving and she goes, all right, guys, 
Here's the details. When you look down, you see that the planet is covered in smog, but mostly around the equator. It almost looks like there's an ever-present storm around the equator. And where like there should be ice caps at the top and the bottom, it looks like a faint green. It's a strange planet, and it's about two times smaller than it normally should be. And she says, Nav unit. Interface. Planetary details. Accessing. Gravity. 1.5 standard. Atmosphere. Normal. Days. Two days in length. Years. 1.5 years. Known for silicate structures on which mossy green mycelium grows. Constant. Class 6 earthquakes. Welcome to Fela. And I think that's probably where we want to call it as we start to make our way into the Sunmaker's territory. A little bit of a softer note for this game. Good game. Thanks for joining, yep. guys. Awesome. Thanks for playing. All right. Cut the recording. Oh. Oh, boy. <laughs>